0: Get your release with Shrinked, the anonymous armchair chat show. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to what we call Shrinked. And here in this program... We reach out to the global community where everyday folks can share their voices and say on a national and international platform what's really on their minds and hearts, and also share their feelings, concerns, challenges, whatever it is. This is that show where we can get that release that we all need every now and then. I'm your host, Jamal Aziz, or TJ, and I've got with me in the studio Beijing psychotherapist, Mr. Liu Yan.
1: Hey, TJ, what's up?
0: Thank you so much for joining me today. And today we're gonna talk a little about something that we all pretty much strive for, yet can be a bit elusive uh, and obscure, especially since it's not always clearly defined and varies from individual to individual. But what happens when you actually possess it and it's not enough? Well, stick with us as we try to tackle this challenging notion of having a sense of purpose.
1: Yes, challenging indeed. I'm sure a lot of listeners have gone through this problem as well.
0: Mm -hmm. So if you're new to the program, here on Shrinked, we advocate that mental health awareness is absolutely essential for all of us to adapt and evolve in this ever-changing world. So joining us on the show, we have a couple of practicing professionals, including Mr. Liu, who will be giving some uh, pointers to those who share their voices. And hopefully, some of that advice will reach some of you out there listening if you're dealing with similar issues. And this is a perfect time to express that on this show, it's not a substitute for seeing a licensed professional. So if you are in dire need of a psychological assistance, please reach out to someone near you so that you can get the right treatment specifically for your situation. So with that being said, let's hear from our voice sharer. And of course, some of the names on the program are pseudonyms for privacy concerns. So
2: let's hear it. Hello there. Um- my name is Robert and I'm 45 years old and recently I've just been feeling like there's no not much point to life um I've been feeling this for about a year maybe longer I know that I'm a very lucky person and I know that I've um, got everything that I need I have a loving wife and a loving lovely wife and I have two kids I have my own property I have a great job and everything is, should be totally fine. I just feel that I have no challenge and nothing I do is fulfilling me at all, work-wise and life-wise. I've spoken to friends and some family about this. Um, Everybody seems to be on, you know, they're kind of their own mission and they're keeping their heads down. They can't seem to relate, some of them, and others can say they know exactly how I feel because they're doing, they're feeling the same thing too. And sometimes um I'm busy sitting there, sort of doing checking emails or something, catching up on some news, and suddenly I just feel this most amazingly crushing feeling, this crushing like pointlessness of everything kind of feeling um when that happens, I try to get myself out of that and imagine myself on a sort of beach somewhere with a palm tree and all that, and it goes away. But I'm still not sure why I get these sudden flashes of pointlessness, if that's what you would say. Um, I was listening to Alan Watts the other day, and he was talking about life is a game and so on. I don't go for life, that sort of life is a game, and life is a struggle, and life is a whatever. But he was saying that you do your job, you do your work, everybody has their expectations of you. You're a husband, you're a parent, You're a, you a know you're a worker people tell you what you ought to do and that's okay because every now and then you get to go off and you can just sit on the beach or climb a mountain or kayak down a river or something so I'm looking for maybe some advice how I could you know do something different so that you know I guess a change is as good as a holiday so that I could get out of this funk that I'm in it might be because I'm like 45 a bit of I don't know midlife crisis or something but what could I do so that my brain could get around to the idea that I'm actually a really lucky man and I'm um, incredibly fortunate and I should get out of this funk somehow. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you so much, Robert, for sharing with us something very, very difficult and very personal and can be uh, quite frustrating from the sound of it. And he mentioned a few things that struck me as a bit surprising and, what that is, at least for me, was that he had a loving wife. And he didn't just say he was married. He said that he had a loving wife. And to me, that communicates that there's a, a definitely a deep connection there. Right. Great relationship. Right. And um, he mentioned children, which for a lot of people is the light of their life. You know, at least it's a... A time where people shift gears and focus more on these um, well bundles of joy, some people call it, and to, you know, really reshape the focus of your life. So that was interesting. And the reason why I think that is interesting is because what followed after listing these things, he also mentioned property, which is a huge thing that a lot of people are striving to acquire. Uh, and sometimes they're never successful in acquiring something that they can call their own. You know, so he already has this and a great job. And, you know, I don't think I need to go into that. I mean, it's really tough to find employment that you are in love with. So um, what struck me as surprising was when he mentioned or he he said that there's no point to life. And I just I felt a sense of, you know, emptiness, which I can definitely empathize. I mean, this individual, he's stable he's uh, accomplished, at least to common social standards, right? right? but at the same time, unfulfilled and as I mentioned, empty. And it's just a really uh, tough place to be in. And I read something on Psychology Today called clinical or pathological uh, despair. And uh, if I define that, that would be uh, profound helplessness, uh, powerlessness, and an uh, overall just pessimism about life and the future and um, maybe losing faith in finding meaning or fulfillment and happiness and bringing satisfaction to your life. And the only way that I can really relate to this uh, particular situation is um, I've actually found success in certain areas of my life, you know, but there is this weird feeling that I get when I have reached a certain milestone. And it's like I experienced something called... And it's this is not a, a professional term. This is just a, you know my term. Right. It's called the uh, the now what syndrome. And this is where it's just like okay, I'm here. I've done it. Now what do I do next? Mm-hmm. And there can be this feeling of emptiness where, you know, you've got that job that you've always wanted, and you're there, and you're like okay, cool. Or you get into this relationship that you you know that you wanted to be in. You wanted to, you know this status of being married, right? But somehow there's just this hole that you feel and it's not, uh, it doesn't feel very good. It's almost like your life is a book and you've, when you turn the page, at least to the next chapter, it's empty Mm -hmm. and it's like, you don't really know what else to do. And it's, and I also, another analogy here is like having a bucket list. And I'm, you, know, you know the reason why they call it a bucket list, right? Yeah, you have to do that before you die. <laughs> before you kick the bucket, right. right. But you know, if you're relatively young and you've ticked off everything on that bucket list, what else is left to do? Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of the sentiment that I think Robert wants to express, at least in um, his sharing. And I think this could be uh, potentially dangerous. And I think a good example of that is when people retire. They have their sense of purpose and they're doing it, they're carrying it out, they're working. Because a lot of people identify so much with their work that it, it's for some people that is a part of their life. That is their their purpose for some people. And once that's done, it can be really, really hard. And, you know, you know research shows that people after they retire, if they don't watch it and if they don't have a plan, then... They pass away, you know, they, their mortality rates go up. Mm-hmm. So this is something that, um, you know, we see. And also with um, uh, professional athletes, again, a lifetime of doing something, identifying with something. And then once that time or that season is over, then having to reshuffle and trying to, I guess, find your identity again. This can be really, really uh, challenging, and for uh, a lot of them, and again, more research shows that for these individuals, they they fall into you know mental illness, depression, substance abuse, and a lot of these things to cope with this new identity or this new reality.
1: Yeah, I think you have touched on a lot of different topics, and all of them are very good. I'll start with what you call Now What Syndrome. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's a fantastic term, Mm. first and foremost. Um, I've had that feeling, too, Mm. because, especially if you're one of those overachievers, and then you hit the milestones relatively early, Mm. and of course you are going to compare yourself with other people. Okay, so I have crossed this off the list. What now? Right. Mm. So that's very natural. But I think research has shown over and over again that the feeling of happiness or your well-being has nothing to do with the so-called success. For example, if you have hit a certain number in terms of your financial gettings, that Mm. doesn't necessarily guarantee that you will feel happy because a lot of lottery winners – (laughs) are proven to have depression afterward. (laughs) Because uh, in the very beginning, they think, oh, this will solve all my problems. But Mm. when they actually reach that place, for example, a lot of people will come out of the woodwork and then will try to (laughs) uh, take advantage of you, you things of that nature. So it's very possible that you will run into more problems than actual feeling of happiness. Mm. So once again, uh, the so-called familiar concepts of success they don't necessarily decide if you will actually feel happy so yeah,
0: yeah. it's a bit fleeting too cuz it's like once you get to that point and if there is no further um i guess you could say calculation after you get there what you're going to do next then you get to the mountain top and then it's just like okay cool you know now and it's just it's a really really empty feeling cuz normally when you're at a mountain top you're normally you're kind of the only person that's up there. And, you know, you hear that expression a lot, it's lonely at the top, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that that's something that, you know, people have to plan for. And he mentioned that he listens to um, Ellen Watts and that um, the notion of life is a game came up. And I think if you're a competitive person, this could be actually quite convenient because mm-hmm. you can see life as a game and everything is, you know, someone's competing against you and you can really use that energy to push yourself forward if you have this kind of mindset. But if you don't, then I could see how that could be a bit that, that that doesn't work for you as well. But life is a struggle. Um, he mentioned that this is something that he doesn't really go for and it's not something that he believes. And I, I have to say that might be a fundamental difference with me personally, because you know, I think that challenges are everywhere. Right. You know, I think that um, he mentioned uh, that he's in a, a, you know, and he's married. I think that sometimes marriage can present lots of different challenges for us. Uh, being a, a parent, and I think a lot of people can attest to that, that it's a huge challenge in, you know, making sure that, you know, kids go the right way or the way that you would like them to go and the, what's best for their future and this and that. So huge challenges there. And, just life is just riddled with these things even in in employment if it's something that you really enjoy whether you like it or you don't like it there's going to be challenges and overcoming and getting around them is part of what uh well obviously there's growth in it but it keeps things a bit exciting mm-hmm. and you're you know that 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 feeling of evolving and getting better is uh you know I'm not sure if it's the right hormone but the endorphins kind of go through your body when you're able to Reach some of these uh, summits in your in your life and in your work. So I, I'm not sure if that's something that can that resonates uh, that can resonate with um, with Robert in particular. But I think that you know perhaps looking at it a little bit differently, whereas these challenges are actually kind of good for us because if we don't have challenges, then I could understand having this feeling where you know everything is a bit mundane and uh, monotonous and. There's no excitement. There's nothing to really, well, live for. Yeah. You know what I'm saying?
1: Mm -hmm. Speaking of, you know, nothing to live for, I think that's a very good segue because I don't believe I'm the only one who had the sense that Robert sounds a little bit on the depression side Mm. because he did mention the exact wording, like crushing pointlessness of Mm. everything. Yeah. That certainly rang a, a bell in my head because... That's like the typical message Well, someone is possibly going through depression or bipolar or PTSD. Mm. I'm not saying this to sensationalize the situation. I'm just saying this because I do get to meet people who have these problems Mm. as I'm a practicing psychotherapist. And it's just a very common phenomenon. You know, people who have suffered from those things, they all have this characteristic, which is very um, prominent in his voice because mm. he sounds like depressed. So I would first and foremost suggest that um, if he does have any kind of suicidal ideation, like any time um, within the past uh, two months or so, because he did mention that this kind of situation has been going on for a year, right, right? right? So anytime he did think about suicidal thoughts over the past two months, I think he should go see a doctor or a psychotherapist just to get some some sort of assessment. Mm, so mm. if um, that kind of evaluation is done, and suicide is out of the equation, and then we can talk about the rest. Because as far as I can see, obviously, um, certain needs of his are not met. Right. And I'm sure when talking about needs, a lot of people have heard this famous theory by Abraham Maslow, because he proposed the hierarchy of needs, right? right so right. as human beings, we all have five different levels of needs. Um, At the very bottom, we have physiological needs. So that means food, water, sleep, and without these things, you Mm. cannot survive. Food, clothing,
0: and shelter. Right.
1: And then above that run is safety. So you need to feel safe. You need to have enough money so that you don't have to worry about, oh, how am I going to live tomorrow? Yeah. So that's safety. And the third run is love and belonging. So you need to have supportive family, friends, and meaningful social connections. Mm. That's also very necessary. But above that run, the second run is actually esteem, also known as respect or recognition. So if you have a meaningful job and you do respect your peers, you would like to get approval from them. And without this, it could mean that this uh, critical need is not met and you will feel that your life lacks meaning. So don't mm. underestimate that because that's run number two. It actually uh, ranks higher than love and belonging. Wow. And of course, at the very top of that run is self-actualization. So that means um, you have to find a way to self-actualize to realize your potential. So most likely, maybe if you're extremely talented in certain areas and you can use that talent to help more people to commit yourself to a greater cause Um, that's called self-actualization. But then again, um, according to Maslow, only 1% of the entire population is lucky enough to be able to self-actualize. Wow. So I think, um, of course, I need to put the caveat here. Recent recent research has shown that the actual number is higher than 1%, but still very low. Definitely a single-digit number. Mm. So... If you're not one of those lucky people who are able to self-actualize, don't be too hard on yourself. Let's just say we settle with the number 1%, right? Not every one of us can be that 1%. So if you're one of the vast majority uh, of the society, then that's only normal, right? Mm. And then in that case, you may not be able to tap into your greatest potential and do something great for the entire human population. So what? You know, uh, don't be too hard on yourself. Don't compare yourself with the cream of the top, so to speak. So in his case, if he already is having a great job, already having a great family, uh, great kids, he has done much better than the vast majority of people out there. Right, right.
0: And I think that, you know, and I, I... It sounds simple and you hear it all the time, um, the expression of just uh, counting your blessings Mm -hmm. because that's something that um, sometimes we forget to do. And it doesn't always you're lucky to be able to have some of these things that, uh, for example, to have, you know, a loving family, children and all the things that were, you know, um, that were mentioned. I think if you have it and you've had it for a while, sometimes we can journey to this place where it's something that you you take it for granted a little bit. And if any of those things were to be taken away, it could change uh, a lot of things, you know, for that individual. And I think sometimes, again, we don't like to journey that way mentally, at least to, you know, imagine the worst. But if those things do happen, you know, you have to consider that. And I think that is a it's a, a tool or a mechanism to help us really um, cherish what it is that we we do have because and i and i can and I could feel that there may be people who would listen in and just not and completely not understand because it 's just like you have everything that i i possibly want i possibly right. want that i 'm going for, and you 're not happy and you know and I think that that 's just something that might be nice to factor in to just kind of imagine and then this is something that you know with the uh, the pandemic. Over the past year, I've always taken my my family and my parents for granted. Hmm. and um because they you know they're relatively young and they're you know they're they're somewhat healthy. But with you know people passing away over the past year and a few close calls in my life, it it changed everything. And now I'm, you know a bit you know, out of that concern or out of my mind going to that place. You know, I pick up the phone more. I talk to them, and I, I realize that it is a blessing to have you know my my parents still in my life and my grandparents at this point. So it's just um it's a tool or that I use at least to you know to give myself a little bit more perspective because I've also met a lot of people who have lost uh, property, uh, family, and some of the things that um, that Robert mentioned were gone in the past year and so and it has changed their life uh, substantially so that's just it's just a bit of a perspective there
1: right I think it's very important to discover your primary way of recharging yourself mm. well the reason I say that is from Robert's clip I can sense that obviously his main way of recharging himself is through travel maybe
0: absolutely Well, we were also able to reach out to another professional for some advice and joining us on the show, we have Thomas Markerson, who's a certified clinical psychologist working out of Copenhagen, Denmark. And we are very happy to have him as a guest on the show. And um, let's hear what
3: he has to say. Dear Robert, it sounds to me like you are probably experiencing a classical existential crisis. An existential crisis is a phase in life in which things seem uh, indifferent to you. And the purpose of this crisis is for you to rediscover what's important. I noticed that you listened to Alan Watts, and perhaps you would want to read the little strange book called The Little Prince, because that book is about a grown man suffering through an existential crisis and, and resolving it you may find some inspiration from that book. So an existential crisis is normal and it's more normal for creative and intelligent people. So uh, you can take that as a compliment. And the important thing is not to be afraid of this emptiness or this void or this, uh, what you call it, uh, funk, this feeling of no point to life. You shouldn't fear this emotion or this uh, thought. And I noticed that you can escape it by envisioning yourself lying on a beach. And that's fine. And that's good. And keep doing that. But at the same time, you shouldn't fear this emotion. Because sometimes what we fear kind of tends to linger on. So try not to fear this emotion. See it as a a common kind of face in life for people who are creative and intelligent. Uh, So the question becomes what to do about an existential crisis. Well... In a sense, an existential crisis is a situation in life in which your intuition cannot tell you what is important and good. So how do you regain that sense of intuition? How do you regain the grounding and the assuredness of, of what's good in life? Well, think about an existential crisis as uh, being in a wilderness or in a desert, or that's how it's uh, at least is portrayed in, in myths and stories. And what do you do when you're caught in a desert or the wilderness? You don't think. um, You don't uh, sit down. You need to get information. And how do you get information? By going in this way or that way, and this way and that way. So you gather more information about your surroundings. You cannot wait for a feeling uh, that this or that or the third route is the right one. You have to take one. And when you take a route, then you get more information. And the more information you get, the more you feed your intuition. And the more intuition you get, the more you feel grounded on the planet Earth again. So I would, if I were you, I would start experimenting with holding your meetings in different ways, doing new things with your wife, playing new games with the kids. Experiment. Just do a lot of experiments so that you can get more information, so that you can get better intuition for what life is all about. And uh, let's try to look at it from point the point of neuropsychology. Well, we know that when you have a goal to aim at, then all the positive steps towards that goal will release dopamine in the brain. And dopamine is connected with uh, being content and feeling of meaningfulness. And it also makes the brain more flexible. In, in other words, dopamine also makes your thinking more creative. So, you describe having achieved some really great stuff in your life, a lovely wife, uh, kids, uh, nice house and a good job. And uh, why aren't you happy then, you you ask. Well, uh, this this is more for men than women. There's a gender difference there. You have to have something to aim at. As a man, you have to have something to aim at somewhere out in the distance. Otherwise, you won't get those dopaminergic kicks that keep you content, happy and flexible in your mind. So in a pure neuropsychological perspective, we would say that you suffer from not setting up goals. You need new goals. And uh, I'm sure you can work out some goals. And they they may be something like physical fitness goals or or some sort of goals at work you can set up for yourself or your team. So in a neuropsychological perspective, You simply have to set up some new goals and get started today.
0: And we'd like to thank Thomas for contributing and sharing his advice. And he mentioned something very pivotal for me, at least in my life. And he brought up goals. Mm -hmm. And I think that this is huge. And I know, again, it sounds very commonplace, but... Goals are huge. I mean, it's it helps you with projects and just um, going forward uh, in life. And earlier, when I, I mentioned about your life being a, a book and you know half, you know the pages not being filled out, and that feeling of fear, like what do I do next? I think this is the time where you can pick up the pen and you can orchestrate your own life and write out some of the things that you want to do and. You know, even projects that are sometimes out of reach, I think that this is something else that makes life so much more interesting is that it's something that you have to really work towards. And, um, you know, you're not sometimes you're not able to do it in one day or a, a one year. Even it takes a significant amount of time and sometimes one goal will breed other goals to get you to, you know, your ultimate goal. And I think that it's kind of fascinating in in that uh, regard. It's like, you know, playing chess. Obviously, with chess, you have to have a lot of different strategies to get to the ultimate goal, mm-hmm. you know. And, I, and so it's a struggle, but it's beautiful because you learn and you grow. It's not necessarily about the destination. And again, I, I've heard this before. And at first, when I first heard it, I didn't really believe it. I'm like, what do you mean? It's about the goal. It's always about the Mm. goal, getting where you want to go. But it's the process of, you know, from going from this point to the next point and enjoying your struggle. And that's something else that's really hard. And that's something I didn't understand uh, for a long time. And because, you know, when you're not getting what you want and you're not where you want to be, how do you, you know, how do you enjoy it? I mean, yeah. it's really, really difficult. But if you have this idea that, you know, you're going to get there no matter what, and you just continue to move forward with that. And the, again, these goals are ironed out. It's a lot easier to, you know, I guess, make plans and you can expect obstacles to come and you know, they're going to come. You you smile, almost smile because you feel like, you kind of prophesize that it's going to happen. So, you know, and you, so you have, I guess, tools ready to to battle that kind of thing. And for me, at least on a personal level, that's something that intrigues me at this point in my life. When I was younger, it used to bewilder me. But now I realize that this is at least for me and for you know, a lot of people, especially a lot of people that I read about, you know, people that are more successful than me, they've all. Disclose that this is a struggle and you have to kind of get through the wilderness. So to speak Uh, Thomas mentioned a wilderness or going through a forest or a desert and it's something that we all kind of have to do. It's part of every life form has some form of struggle and we're no exception.
1: Yeah. Well, I have to say, TJ, you are very young, but you sound like you have figured things out. Good for you. Are you trying to say, I'm, oh, I sound old, huh? No, 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 I'm not. Definitely not saying that. <laughs> I'm an old soul. I heard that before. Yeah. But I think it's very interesting that uh, Thomas mentioned existential crisis because that's partially my feeling as well. I think it's very possible that Robert is going through this midlife crisis because he also mentioned that he's 45 years old. Mm. That's the typical stage in your life that when you might go through something called midlife crisis. Mm. And if it does happen, once again, don't be too harsh on yourself because it happens to a lot of people and you are definitely not the only person. Um, I can speak from my personal experience. I'm about that age. But I'm not necessarily going through a midlife crisis. However, I vividly remember my quarter-life crisis Mm. back in the day. Quarter-life
0: crisis, yeah.
1: Yeah. So just imagine this also goes back to that pernicious concept of competition. Hmm. Because if you always compare yourself with the people you know, it's very easy to fall into this trap because somebody else has done this, Mm. but I haven't. Or I, I have achieved this and somebody else has achieved this. They feel happy, but I'm not happy. So mm. what's wrong with me? So that's why I'm saying um, do not always compare yourself to others. It may sound like a good idea because you want to push yourself. But in reality, nine times out of ten, it does nothing but harm you psychologically. So mm. just remember, all the motivation needs to come from within, not from others. The outside forces right so we're all individuals
0: really... right and what what makes you happy or what drives you may not drive someone else yeah so it's um yeah it's but it's important to know what it is that drives you i think that's something else too yeah and um and he also mentions a little bit of um, experimentation which i think is also really important if you don't have something that burns in you uh to do something then it would help to just kind of explore a little bit more
1: and also when it comes to existential crisis mm. it's probably a good idea to check out rollo may and irvin yalom they are both very famous psychotherapists who are the typical uh, founding fathers of existential psychotherapy mm. so by reading their works i think it could help robert a lot And also earlier, he mentioned he listens to Alan Watts. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no disrespect here, and I think Alan Watts is fantastic, but as we all know, he was a philosopher. So he tended to talk about depressing topics quite often. For example, death, isolation, that kind of thing. So I would suggest... Maybe listen to or read or watch him in moderation. Sometimes you need to mix things up a little bit. Maybe after listening to his talk for a bit, you can also watch some. Silly dance competition show to balance things out. (laughs) That could do you wonders. Some Oprah. Yeah. (laughs) And um, Thomas also mentioned neuroscience. Mm. I think that's a very interesting angle because that reminds me of this stereotypical saying that, you know, um, you need to decide if you are a left brain kind of guy or Mm. a right brain kind of guy because according to stereotypes, the left brain is mostly in charge of things like language and logic, Hmm. whereas your right brain is mostly in charge of emotions and creativity. Now, in the field of psychology, this has proven to be a myth, which means it's not necessarily right. But like I said over and over again, sometimes stereotypes exist because they are largely right. Hmm. So of course, there's also some merit to this. So what I'm saying is maybe Robert can Think about this stereotype a little bit, and then decide if he is traditionally a more left-brain guy or a right-brain guy. And then, if he has figured that out, he can tap into his potential.
0: Mm. For example,
1: if he is more, if he is better at language or logic, and then he could use that left brain of his a little bit more, right. so that he can um, find more meaningfuls in that area. Whereas if he is very emotional or if he is very creative then he can use his right brain a little bit more and find things to do according to that particular part of his brain so robert i hope
0: that you were able to take something from this and thomas mentioned a book called uh, the little prince and i'd also uh, like to recommend a book called relentless and this is from tim grover and uh, he's a keynote speaker and he was the uh, the late Kobe bryant's mental coach Though most of the analogies are, you know, related to sports, you really can apply it to a lot of different areas of life because it's great for, uh, I guess, challenging yourself. And finding different ways to evolve and to grow. Because, I mean, we all know Kobe Bryant was one of the greatest at what he did. And sometimes when you get to that mountaintop, again, you need to find some way to challenge yourself to grow and to do different things. And that way it keeps things interesting. It's a challenge. And so it's um, a great book for, well, mainly for that and just finding that stimuli to keep things going and to keep that fire burning in you for for life because it's a, it's a it really is a gift.
1: Yeah, I think Kobe Bryant was a very good example because most of us know him as a great basketball player, right. probably, you know, one of the greatest of all time. Yeah. But few people know is that he was also a very successful documentarian. He actually won an Oscar for that. Mm. And after that, he started trying uh, creative things in all kinds of endeavors. Yeah. And he ended up publishing a few um, novels, YA novels before he passed away. So mm. yeah, maybe take a, Page out of his books and yeah. try different things in different areas. And during that process, you can also discover your unlimited potential.
0: Absolutely. And just picking up that pen and continuing to, well, write your own story, because that's pretty much what we're all doing, you know? So for those that have made it to the end, this wraps us for this episode of Shrinked. And folks, we're actively pursuing more voice contributions for the show. So if you have anything you'd like to share or get off your chest, please send us an email send us a comment and we'll get back to you as soon as possible i hope your day got a little bit brighter from uh, hearing me and mr liu (laughs) go back and forth (laughs) but be sure to join us next time for more sessions i'm jamal aziz i'm no (laughs) yeah take it easy folks we'll see you next time